Hey, I'm Dr. Joan and welcome to Hey, I'm Listening. Today, my guest is Dr. Andrew Blackwood, a good friend of mine, also known as Coach Drew. Now, Coach Drew, he is the healing communication coach. Um, he is the wonderful husband of a beautiful wife and the father of two beautiful children. He is a former marriage and family therapist, and I'm just honored to have him here with me today. Welcome, Drew. Thank you, Joan. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. So talk to us about the healing communications. What is that all about, Andrew? Oh, yes. What is that all about? Well, I believe that healthy communication is healing communication. Mm. And, you know, there's no one who's perfect. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship with another human being, yes. there's going to be hurt. Yes. So it's really, really important to be able to address our emotional injury, emotional pain mm. with both care mm. and competence. Ah. It's not enough to care because a lot of damage is done by caring people. <laughs> um, so uh, that my emphasis is not only just on what you say to people, mm -hmm. but also how you are with yourself because we're talking to ourselves all, all the, time. the time all the time but we're not aware so yes. how you deal with yourself on yes. a deep level yes. ultimately it's how you deal with the people closest to you when push yes. comes to shove if you're unkind to yourself when you mess up how do you think you're going to be when the people who are closest to you mess up right. that's exactly what you're going to do so increasing awareness of how we are, how we speak to ourselves and how we relate to others and incorporating healthy principles about communication yes. makes it healing communication. That's what I love to help people with. Awesome. So how did you become so passionate about healing communications? Like what brought you here? You know, um, I think long before I became a therapist and before I transitioned into uh, this specific way of coaching, um, not only was I human, but like I said before, I experienced hurt. Yeah. And, you know, I, w I grew up an anxious kid mm. and I had no idea how to navigate the world. I didn't. I grew up in church and there was a lot of hurt in that environment. Yeah. And most of it wasn't even intentional, but just the application of scripture alone, it sent my anxiety through the roof. Yeah. So I was, I was never good enough. I was, I had doubts about my salvation from day one, mm. because, you know, if you come to know the Lord, then you are a new creation and the things that you used to do, you don't do no more. And I was still doing those things. So I'm like, <laughs> that must mean I'm not saved. I'm like going to hell. And I was just like hell bound for most of my life. Right. But it wasn't until I started to pay attention or learn and really unlearn and really appreciate God's love for me mm. and how God communicated with me. Mm. Like God has never been mean to me. He's never been unkind to me, right? So I've learned yes. to like, you know, stop internalizing those other voices and to hear God communicate to me and learn to love myself and communicate with myself the way that he speaks to me. So that's, and that's the such a, Yeah, but that's such a journey though, right, Andrew? It's such a journey to 
not only hear God communicate, but come to that place of understanding that God is love, you know, and that it is us who don't love. Uh, but we like to see God in such a human way um, that we can't understand or perceive that the spirit, you know, this God that is so much bigger than anything we could perceive or conceive that all of it is love. It's a hard thing. So many of us don't even recognize in churches that, you know, it's not belief that saves us, but the continual progression of transformation into this new being that we are to be, right? And so how did you eventually kind of make sense of it all? And how did you begin the journey of just speaking to yourself well? And what are some of the things that you say to yourself now, by the way? Well, you know, it, it's, it's, to your point, it's been progressive. Yeah. So my earliest days, I just had an awareness that God was was there and that he was communicating with me and he loved me. But yeah. I doubted that love over the years as a result of messages from other people. Mm -hmm. um, but I had self-esteem issues. I hated me, Joan. I mm -hmm. didn't like my skin. I didn't like my hair. I was confused about lots of stuff in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was when God pointed that out to me. I was in a church service and they were doing one of these things. And I said, okay, you know what? I want you to put something on, on a piece of paper, write on paper and pin it to the cross. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to, you know, pin it to the, leave it at the cross. And what I wrote on my head, it was as if God took my, my, my hand and wrote for me, I yeah. hate myself. Oh. It was that moment where I realized, oh my goodness, wow. I hate myself. And wow. I was able to say, okay, you know what? God doesn't hate me. Mm. I hate me. Mm -hmm. And he helped me to learn how to love me. Right. There were things right. in my life that I wanted to change, that I wanted to stop doing, that I wanted to feel differently about. And none of that could happen. And it didn't happen. And I don't think he wanted it to happen until he knew that, until I knew that he loved me as I was, where I was. Right. And that's where my journey of starting to love and accept myself started when I was like, yeah. oh, you love and accept me already. Yeah. Right. Um, and over the years, it's evolved. I journal. And that's one of my favorite ways of praying and communing. And that's where I really realized, OK, what am I saying to myself mm. when I think this? I feel this. And and I process that and I pray with him and I commune with him and I hear him talk back to me. So that's what it's evolved to now. And it's, uh, it's gonna continue evolving, but that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the bulk of my communion now and my understanding of how I commune with myself. Right, so that moment of like tagging that piece of paper and really the belief, you know, and the substance of something so dark, uh, such as self-hatred, but really pinning it to the cross and then symbolically just like, what did you imagine happened to it as it went on that cross? As even as you Joan, look back now. Let me, Joan, I, I couldn't even make it to the cross. I was so broken in that moment that I couldn't leave my seat. I was awash with tears at the realization Wow. Like it took me, it took me days to be like, oh my goodness, this is how, and I was 19 when that happened. This wow. is how I felt about myself for all this time. Thankfully he already went to the cross. So I didn't have to yes. get there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was such a pivotal moment for me. Um, wow. that, that degree of awareness. Right. Yeah. And so from there, 
how did you talk to that young man? And how did you talk to the layers of younger and even younger self and going right back to like those, you know, even pre five, maybe even pre pre three moments? How did you go back? What did you do? What did you say to that version or versions of yourself? You know, it's it's been at different points in time because I, I don't know about you or anybody else, but I got a whole lot of issues. So there were lots of moments where we worked things out. Yes. But one, one example was I was a facilitator for a, what we call a PAR program, the Partner Abuse Response Program, where there are men who are uh, mandated by the court to come and get uh, group counseling. Yes. So I was a facilitator. I was about 31 years old. Um, and I'm leading this group with, a, with my female counterpart, Stephanie. She was absolutely wonderful. But... To be honest, Joan, when I got into that room with those angry men, I felt like a little boy mm. every time. I felt scared every time I went to work. <laughs> I was a glutton yeah. for punishment. I mean, yeah. I'm supposed to be facilitating the group and I'm scared. Yes. But literally, I was 31, but I felt like an eight-year-old boy when the anger would come towards me because yeah. that's how I felt as a little boy. Right. I grew up in an environment where men... The real, the leaders of any group, whether it was my dad or church, mm. they presented a certain way. Mm. They were, they, I knew them as angry. Yes. yes. I knew them as aggressive yes. and I was a small little boy and I just didn't measure up. And I carried that with me for all those years. And it wasn't until that moment when I was facilitating one day when, you know, the anger was directed at me and I kind of did what I was trained to do. Yes. Um, and then afterwards, my facilitator partner, facilitating partner, Stephanie, she said, you did such a good job with that. Mm. I reflect. I was like, oh, mm. I did. Mm -hmm. I, did do, I, I did do that. Whoa, that was good. I didn't lose my cool. I didn't, you know, try to condescend to him. I didn't match the I was like, that's meek. Yeah, that, that's like Jesus. I, I like that guy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, oh, this is me. That's you. And then I started to do different things like, oh, I, oh, my, my voice is pretty deep. I could feel the resonance in my chest. I was like, oh, snap. I'm like a full grown man. Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right? And I was starting. Yeah, I was starting yeah. to catch up. Mm -hmm. Right. It was all those. I believe that trauma has the ability to press pause on our emotional development. Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. When I was revisiting that, I was just like releasing that and growing and, and catching up, so to speak. So that's one example of, you know, again, I didn't really do the talking to him myself, but what I did was real made the recognition, oh, this is who I am. Yeah. Oh. It, it's, it's so interesting, even in my therapeutic sessions, um, to now take a feeling like I hate myself and have my clients say that like over and over again, and then locate the places in their bodies where that emotion is resting and then saying it until they push it through that organ. And then of course it goes somewhere else. And so then you push through to the next organ and then the next organ until it's just kind of like a floodplain, just a soup of emotions. And then asking the question, okay, 
ask your body to guide you to the place where that began. And then always them being able to then go back and it's always childhood. It's never anything else, right? Mm -hmm. It's always childhood that preteen that, you know, even before eight or seven, it's always in those very, very moments where you couldn't really maneuver language. You couldn't really maneuver the strength of other people it was just you and you soaked in a whole bunch of stuff, but it's always so um, freeing to have that conversation with the younger child and say, Hey, like you're not hated. In fact, you're loved. And, and in fact, I want you to remember something. And here's the thing you are loved forever and ever and ever and ever. Right. And so it's, it's powerful to hear you talk about, you know, just even the trigger that you experience in that moment and I have, I have a thing I say now, which is invest in the triggers, right? Invest in the triggers because the triggers are going to teach you something about the past that's going to strengthen you right now in the present. And it, it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You were able to, you know, see it, feel it, take it in, then go back to the past really quickly, come back and recognize how strong you are right now and almost get caught up with the recognition that you are strong and you are powerful and that you can actually manage this in a way that you can manage it before. Exactly. And I think that's, that's the, the critical piece because we're not aware, like you said, of the, what has happened to us as children. We don't have the capacity to put that, to contextualize it. Yeah. We don't have the language to say this is that, or I feel this way or that. And it, we, we internalize it and we think that this is me. Yeah. Whereas now as, as a mature and maturing person, you can reflect and tease that apart. Say, okay, this is me and this is what happened to me. Yes. Yes. And, you know, now we can, we can reconcile the two and, and live yes. free. So, yes. yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that you do what you do with people. You have such a wonderful way of moving deep and quick with people. I've, I'm always amazed at it. Um, tell, me more, amazed tell me more, Joe. Tell me more. You know, but it really is, it really is the move of the spirit. And, you know, as I have done my own work of healing, uh, what I've found is that what others would call clairvoyance, right? But it's that intuition, it's that knowing, it's sometimes having that vision in the moment to say, this is what is going on with that individual, and just being able to be sensitive enough to that, right? And so mm -hmm. I think it's also powerful, the work that you're doing with your coaching. So one of the reasons why we're even having this conversation is because you know, part of the calling that I think you have and I have is really to speak to the generation uh, that is coming up now to help yeah. our black boys and our black girls. And we want to help so much more people. But I think we, you know, being black people, we recognize the struggle that we have as a people. And I think it's always important to start at home before you go abroad. Right. And so, you know, the, the goal of our show is really to tap into the black soul, to recognize that there is such a deep spiritual um, yearning that all of us uh, have. And there's a way that we connect that is so, you know, I don't know what you call it. It's just it, you, you can't describe it in any way other than to kind of, you know, see the wave and the and the back and forth that comes with us. And so, you know, as you think about the black family 
as you think about our fathers, as you even think about mothers, you know, what are you desiring for our families? And, and how, are you, how are you planning and wanting to participate in kind of the healing work that so many of us have to do? Yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier um, that healthy communication is healing communication and how we respond to emotional pain and injury is really, really important. Yeah. And I think as a, as a people, and I know other nationalities can relate uh, and they have their own ways, but we yeah. survived a whole lot by being strong. Yeah. And there's very little time and attention given to the pain, yeah. right? Um, so we carry it. Yeah. And um, I think what I love doing and seeing even in my own family is the changing of generational patterns. Yeah. So I will, I will talk a little bit about my, my dad, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so my parents, uh, they were divorced when I was around 13, but I was eight again, when I realized, oh, this isn't going to last. This isn't yeah. going to last. Yeah. And while I knew my dad to be a angry man because he sounded angry a lot of the times, um, as I've done some intergenerational work and I've come to know who my dad is and God helped me heal a lot, I realized there was a great deal of anxiety. Mm. And it was that fear mm. that was expressed as control. Right. And the very thing that he was trying to avoid, which was the separation of his family, it was that control that caused that pattern to happen again. Mm -hmm. Because his father left his family. Right. And he never wanted that to happen. But the fear that manifested as control and anger, that contributed to the separation. Yes. So now in this generation, I have the opportunity to look at my anxiety, manage it, and I look at the anxiety or fear of whatever my children, and I get to address that with competence and care. Yes. You know, yes. It's, it's work, but yes. I see the patterns changing. I'm giving them the language. I'm using, I'm modeling all of this stuff. It, yes. it may sound very, it is practical, but it's also very spiritual. Yes. Right? Yes. So that that's 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 what I see. That's what I love to do, and that's what I love to empower other people to do, uh, parents particularly for their children. Yeah. How did your mom cope with the anxiety? Did she recognize it as anxiety, or did she also just see it as anger? Well, definitely not. Definitely mm -hmm. not. Um, because she had her own anxieties, right? And they were expressing them in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> they both, like I got it from both sides, right? right. Um, yeah, so she was experiencing it in different ways. Um, she, she was uh, always a loving woman, wanting to understand, wanting to bend over backwards and heal and make things work. Um, that's who she was. But I think that also uh, was part of, of 
her coping as well. Like you, you mm-hmm. try really hard, you, you know, as opposed to looking at, okay, this is your stuff and this is my stuff. Right. I'm not responsible to fix your stuff. Right. I'm not responsible <laughs> to save everybody yes. in the world. Yes. No, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, again, one presented as as um, saving, and the other one presented as controlling, and yeah. there there was room for balance for both. Right. Now, Drew, you've written a book, and, and it was all about the authentic apology. Forgive me if I got it wrong. That's all right. It's the art of a genuine apology. Art of a yes. genuine apology. And, you know, the other day I had to send all of my siblings an apology. And mm-hmm. it was because it was one of these um, growth moments. Um, and so we've been having some challenges with my son. And it's been an interesting journey. But during these challenging moments, um, family members are anxious about many things. And so they begin to pile on criticism and judgment and all of this other stuff. And I began to see myself react to that. And in the, in the moment of reacting or in the aftermath of reacting, I realized that, you know, all of us, and in particular myself, um, we have these anxieties that came out of our childhood. And I was one of the ones that took the front, um, what I would call the brutal force that perhaps the rest of them weren't um, exposed to. But the other part that I came to recognize in these moments was the challenge of, you know, managing their emotions as well as mine, you know, and, and demanding in a way that they behave properly. And I gave that up and I expressed an apology because one morning I was just, you know, just really kind of looking inward, which is what the difficult moments are all about. It's about looking inward. And so I was looking inward and I was looking at all the ways that I have been afraid of them, my siblings, um, and, and the ways in which I've distanced myself from them and the ways in which I've wanted to be independent and yet accepted for my independence. And so I offered them an apology saying, you know, The thing I've always wanted is independence, very much like my son wants right now. And the thing that, you know, I have feared is that when I am independent, when I do the things that I'm supposed to do, people judge and they criticize me. But you don't have to criticize me anymore because I'm actually a really wonderful, intelligent, I I make great decisions and you don't have to do that anymore. And we don't have to play that part anymore. But forgive me for actually being afraid and expressing my fears in so many ways that I know made you afraid. Forgive me for hating me, but also forgive me for hating you, you know? And and so I had to do that and just express it in that way. And it was authentic and I didn't make any excuses for it. I just, you know, I sent them that letter and I asked them for something, just an acknowledgement and then to just move on with their day. Let us pray together and let's have the father just come into agreement with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, that you are the beginning and the end of all things, that you have known Drew since the beginning, that you have known every hair on his head, and that, Father, as you have planted within him a divine idea for the emotional healing of our people, of our world, as you have assigned him the task of developing, whether it's through speaking or acting or through groups, whatever it is that you have assigned to him, 
release the knowledge, release the, the resources, release every tool, every inclination, every intuition that he needs right now in order to have clarity and to be efficient in the task at hand. Father, we ask this knowing that you are all powerful, that all things are possible with you. Father, we acknowledge that we have fallen short and we have not always come into the place where you want us to. So we confirm his position now. We confirm the knowledge and the authority that he has about this topic specifically. And we thank you for the power that you have already invested in him. We ask that you raise up the lion that is within him and that you just bless him as he walks by divine order and divine timing in the way that he should go. And Father, we know that this is already so. I see him on the stages. I see him going and working with groups of people. I see him working with organizations. And so, Father, I thank you for all the ways in which he has invested. And I thank you for all the ways in which you have invested in him. And so knowing this is already so, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you, Joan. Love you so much. <laughs> I do. I do. You're such a uniquely gifted and called woman. You go deep and God made you that way. And I'm <laughs> grateful for you. So grateful. I am grateful for you. And I love you too, Drew. It has been good to have you with me. And so I want to just thank you for taking the time out and just for being the beautiful person that you are. And so, hey, everyone, if you want to reach out to Coach Drew, um, our The Healing and Communication Coach, um, where can people reach you, Drew? You know, coachdrew.ca is my site. Info at Coach Drew is my email. Coach Drew Can is my handle on YouTube and, and Insta and Facebook. Awesome. Where you find me. All right. So you can reach out if you so desire. And if you are interested in coming on board of our podcast, hey, I, I'm here to listen. I want to hear your story. I want to know what you're here to build. I want to just help you accelerate in all the ways that you need to accelerate. So come on in to Hey, I'm Listening. You can reach me at connect at drjoan.ca and I'll then shoot you our calendar. You can select the date that works best for you. So until next time, have a good one.